0: It's a lot of fun hearing the good stories about running a business, right? The successes, the little breakthroughs, the fun times. And that's what we hear a lot because people like to focus on those. They're either feel good stories or maybe it's like the marketing of, you know, selling the dream or selling the idea of getting involved in something like e-commerce, but At least half of operating a business is stress, struggles, sometimes it's anxiety, and it's trying to like put out all these little fires that are happening all the time. In this episode, we've got a guest who is going to talk about the brand that he runs on Amazon and off Amazon too, and some of the struggles that he's had over the past year, maybe two years, some of the lessons that he's taken away from that and how he's moving forward now. It's going to be a great episode. Listen to the end. We'll see you in just a second. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing, So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the a.m. and the p.m. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the a.m. p.m. podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM Podcast. I'm Tim Jordan, and we are talking about e-commerce and business today. We talk a lot about strategies. We talk a lot about techniques. We talk a lot about traffic. We talk a lot about optimization. But we also like to talk about just good old-fashioned business, right? And part of business is figuring out how to overcome struggles, learning from our mistakes, figuring out what we tripped over last time so we can step over that that speed bump or that pothole the next time, right? Right. We've got a guest today, Paul Barron, who is kind of a friend of most of this audience. I think a lot of you at least would be familiar with him. He's been on a lot of podcasts and space, done a lot of content, and he happens to be here in the office in the AMPM World Headquarters on the 67th floor of AMPM Towers. No, I'm just kidding. We're actually in the basement of a, of a building downtown in Huntsville, Alabama, where the studio is, but he's here, and I think this is the first time... We've had a podcast guest that was physically in this office, which is great because we bought two desk chairs that matched like a year and a half ago. And this is the first time that we've ever actually had to use both chairs. So <laughs> momentous occasion. So welcome, Paul. And uh, tell us about
1: your brand. What do, you, what do you want me to start?
0: Just give us the rundown. Let's right. let's start with, with how did you get your business started and what are you doing?
1: Yeah. So um, like a lot of you, we took a course when we got started um but selling on amazon course course, right so freedom ticket you know similar to that um basically you know i have a background in digital marketing um i have a background in a lot of things you'd want to talk to me about anything i can tell you but or he'll make something up or i'll make something up yeah or tim will make something up
0: i'll make something better up
1: (laughs) (laughs) but so i i came into this space um with a background in doing some digital marketing for for brands you know established brands and um, my view of Amazon prior to getting started was was basically arbitrage, and I didn't really understand why anybody would want to be a third-party seller on Amazon. Because in my head, it was a race to the bottom. Um, but you know, we we signed up, we took this course, and we were identifying um, products. And with my experience in digital marketing and brand building, um, we narrowed down our, our search into into three niches: it was baby products, outdoor products, and pet and pet products. Because we live in Colorado, love going outdoors, hiking, camping, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, we had just had a baby and um, when we were doing our product research um, earlier in the year, the year before, we had an issue with swimming with our son. Um, we, he started going swimming and, you know, new parents, you don't think about this when you're an adult, like, what do you do with a baby swimming? Because they're, you know, they poop, right?
0: And now, everybody pees in a pool.
1: You know, actually, there's a pool. Um, over, like I think it was over 60% of adults, I have to look at it again, um, everyone pees in a pool. Adults pee in a pool.
0: Everybody pees in a pool, but everybody not everybody pools. poops in a pool. No. But babies could. Babies could. So you had a problem.
1: Right. Yeah. So we had a problem. And, um, you know, the typical solution is there's disposable swim diapers. That's what, you know, like little splashers or whatever by Huggies. Um, and prior to having our son I was like on the cloth diaper bandwagon. Like I wanted to be that.
0: Cloth diapers were the worst. I know. And that that was, was the most horrible experience of my life.
1: <laughs> you did it?
0: Oh, we did it for like <laughs> six months with our first kid. And it was, it was a pretty crappy
1: problem. No, no. Uh, yeah. So that was basically Rochelle's response was like, we're not doing this. And I was like, no, but we could save so much money and it's better for the environment. And, and I will wash them. And she's like, no, you're not going to be washing them. You'll wash them for two weeks and then I'm going to be washing yeah. them. So. Sort of the concession was that somebody had given us a reusable swim diaper. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Cause then, you know, like how often are you gonna use a diaper, And you, you know, disposable, you use it once, kids in the water for 30 minutes and you throw it away. Um, so I was stoked about that, but the problem was this was a, a big brand that you can buy in, in Target. And um, well known, they've established, they kind of established the niche in the, in the 90s. Um, problem was it was too tight and it made him cry. And at the time, Bo, our son, was in like the 20th percentile, so he was really, really small, and um, you know, we that was stuck in our heads when we were doing our product research. So Rochelle starts looking up, you know, the opportunity with swim diapers, um, and felt like it was a decent opportunity. So we just went into it, it as almost like a stopgap product because we were launching in um, we were launching in the summer, and uh, anyway, so that was how we originally started. I mean, we got into selling reusable swim diapers. Like now, um, it's extremely competitive. There's a lot more black hat stuff going on.
0: But you were really the first to take it to Amazon, right? Right. You had, uh, my understanding is you had a fair amount of success. I know that even yesterday, you were at a resort somewhere and you're selling like directly to like end consumers now, not just e-commerce. And you've been doing that brand since how long?
1: 2015.
0: Since 2015. So I've been in it for six years. now. Our,
1: Our first day was the first ever prime day incidentally
0: you launched on the first ever prime day it wasn't
1: planned it just so happened that our inventory was in stock and the images that we had were the stock the garbage crap images you know your manufacturer gives you um yeah anyway first ever prime day nice crazy
0: so that's a little bit of kind of the history of Paul and and the brand that he and his wife run. They've been doing it since 2015. But in this episode, we want to talk about what's happened recently. And I'm good friends with Paul. I've spent a lot of time with him. We do a lot of the conferences and events together and we we're around each other. And this year, Paul has been stressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's an understatement, but I I you know, like very specifically remember Paul not being this stressed before. And one of the problems that he's got going on right now is his brand of you know reusable swim diapers has really taken a big hit over the past what eighteen months, yeah like eighteen months, the business has been not deteriorating, but it's significantly slowed down right and there's
1: it's frustrating because you have like these double year growth that you project and then you yeah. stagnate, yeah,
0: and there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, like. People aren't traveling in COVID and people aren't going to resorts and people aren't going to public pools or hotels. So there's a, a, a decline there. There's some other things we're going to talk about in a second that have maybe had a little more direct impact. But the reason I asked Paul to speak today is because I know he struggled. I know he's, you know, been very, very frustrated. I know that he's also public about his brand, which is great. Not a lot of people are. So he can speak specifically about it and kind of share some of his wisdom and experience to us. Uh, not only what's going on, why he struggled, maybe at least a few components to the struggle the past eighteen months or so, and then we're going to talk about some of the lessons learned and moving forward. So you gave me a list of three items, Paul, that you kind of think were very significant in the depreciation or the slowdown of this brand: trademark issues, logistics, and a well, and a poopy diaper. So we can talk about that. So hit us with the trademark issue here.
1: Yeah, so, okay, so this would be, like, if I'm going back in time, oh, man, back when we when we got started, there was another brand that was similar name in ours, but they, they sell christening, christening gowns. And we're like, okay, there's no confusion there. Um, there was no registered trademarks, no live trademarks at the time. And so that, like, in a nutshell, the trademark issues that we're having now could have been alleviated. Had we, once we launched and we realized that this was a good, a good brand, a good product that could go the distance. Like we don't just have swim diapers, we have other stuff, you know. But the basically when we proved that this was solid, we should have registered our trademark right away. So if you're watching this or listening to this, and you're at that point and you've gone through the product research, you've validated that there's demand that you, that you know, you believe that this can go to this the distance, get your registered trademark. Now.
0: And the way trademarks work are they're product specific, category specific, right? So if you get a trademark for kitchen accessories and you start making golf cart tires, you can't use the same trademark for it. It doesn't protect you. Um another thing about trademarks are I believe some people get them too early, right? Some people think, oh, I want to sell on Amazon. I'm going to create a cool product logo. I'm going to create a cool brand name. I'm going to get it all trademarked up and then I'm going to figure out what I'm going to sell. So Paul just made the point about like proof of concept, but Paul, what you're saying is some people wait too long. Right. Well, um, we waited concept. too long. Yeah. And you waited too long. So like, why do you think that that pause really hurt you?
1: Oh, not think I know.
0: Uh, you no. Know, so why did that, that maybe not prioritizing the trademark. Once you had a proof of concept that you wanted to start this brand. Yeah. You know what happened there?
1: So what happened was uh, the year following 2016, there is a, a hotel chain in like north or south carolina or something it wasn't a chain it's just like a single hotel they have a boutique shop at a corner of their shop they had like bow and bell as a part of like and that's our our brand name is bow and bell littles um and so there was something to that effect meanwhile the christening gown company realized that their trademark had lapsed and they didn't they didn't mean to let it lapse it just happened Um, so Sequence of events: This this hotel chain files for and gets approved for the usage of the, their trademark name. Um, then, like the it's crazy. It was like how it all happened. Like so, uh, trademark laps for Baby Bow and Bell, which is the christening gown company. Meanwhile, we start in twenty fifteen. There's nothing in existence. A year later, go you know we start getting all this press. We're Rachel Ray show, Forbes magazine, all this stuff. And so we're like, oh, we should register our trademark. Um, so we go in to start doing this. In that space in that one year time, uh, the hotel chain had gotten approved for the trademark. Um, how trademarks work? I'm not a lawyer. In my this yeah. is my understanding. This is not legal advice. This is not legal advice. This is my understanding. It's like first right of refusal. Like you start using the name, that's your trademark. So they're they're using it publicly. So so the the christening gown company owned first right because they've been in existence since like the 90s or the 80s with the same name. With the same yeah. name. It just so happened that there there is lapse in the meantime this hotel company gets hits the name uh baby Bowen bell is reapplying so then they have to go through this and we're third in line at this point okay so uh what happens is the hotel and the and the, and the christening gown company enter into a coexistence agreement which again not legal advice but basically a coexistence is that you say we believe there's no brand confusion we agree to coexist using a similar thing right so We're in this whole chain and at the time, we would have had to go through two other entities and it was just basically an issue that could have been a couple hundred dollars is now like $20,000. Because now we have to go through, we got to get a coexistence agreement from the primary rights holder, which is Baby Bowen Bell. They seem amenable. Then we got to go to the hotel chain and say, hey, first rights, give us this. And so that perpetuates down. Anyway, so that brings us to today which goes back to the poopy thing, which is one of the reasons why we can't, the the poopy swim diaper, so I can go into that now, but anyway, it's a very expensive tangle, and it's a pain in the ass, it's a giant headache, and so that's my advice, if you're one takeaway from this, prove your concept, make sure that it works, don't get too early, don't wait too long, but as soon as you have that proof of concept, you get that trademark right away, because you don't wanna get into a situation where you have, you know, 3,000 reviews, 3,500 reviews or something, and then you have to, you have to change your trademark because you can't get it.
0: So that's the problem is right now, and that's why this is affecting you is because you essentially are being told you can't use your brand name.
1: Is, exactly. So you've got to
0: rebrand your company where you've got.
1: We either have to rebrand or pay at least 15 to twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 in legal fees to get our branding that we've been trading under and selling under since 2015.
0: So that hurts you with like brand registry and things like that. A potential exit. Hard. Yeah. Trying to, yeah. Trying to sell your company. You don't have the, Ooh, that's a big problem. All right. So that's, that's been a big headache. And, uh, I guess your, your biggest lesson learned from there is don't wait on that. Don't sit on that. Like get that done quickly, because that's actually an extremely big deal that can really screw up your business. All right. Logistics was a second thing. Another, another reason for the headaches and feeling like you're kicked in your seat over the past 18 months. Now we know what's going on with, you know, the COVID supply chain, but how is this a, a, you know, directly impacted or what's been your exact situation logistics related with Bone Bell Littles?
1: Yeah. So our stuff is very, we're completely opposite with most brands. Most brands are very like Q4 heavy and our Q4 is really Q2. spring. Q2 and spring, like it's really when it starts ramping up. Q1 um, starts to pick up. Q2 is nuts, bonkers. And, you know, starts tapering off. So we place our orders, um, and the challenging thing here is that when we're placing our orders it's right after for summer it's right after chinese new year which chinese new year always has that lead time longer because yeah, it's
0: like a month off in manufacturing and shipping
1: right so um it was just a sequence of crazy events like we we went through we designed new packaging and um we didn't look at um volume and like like case volume and also like filling the entire container Um, we, you know, that was one issue.
0: Yes. You weren't maximizing your cost per container.
1: Yeah. So we went from like a shipping cost of about $8,000 a container to $24,000 for this same exact units because the packaging was changed. Um, but then also, I don't know, there's just crazy delays. So the, the shipment that was supposed to be delivered start of June, end of May got in like second or third week of September.
0: So you were stocked out for like all of your busy season?
1: Almost. Not like our, our primary stuff was stocked out. And then we had like black hat attacks. Too. <laughs> it's been a year, man. So
0: a lot of your stuff was stocked out. And then because you were running so close on inventory, mm-hmm. you couldn't do any sort of big sales. You couldn't right. do promotions. You couldn't really externally market this stuff because mm-hmm. you would have just run out of stock anyway. So logistics jacked you up. Yep. Was that something that you could have done differently? Or is, is there anything you could have done differently? Yes. Because we know you we couldn't project the cost uh, increasing, and We couldn't project an increase in lead time, but was there anything you could have done differently, like lessons learned?
1: Well, Rochelle does all the logistics stuff. So Rochelle's my wife, um, business partner. She's a smart one. I just do crazy stuff and go to events. Um, <laughs> so people know me. They don't know her. They should know her. So she handles all the logistics, and what we've been trying to do is get on a order, system where we're ordering smaller quantities more frequently, um, but I don't really know that we could do anything differently. I mean... Really, the only thing that I could say is that if we had the money, if we, if we could be able to sit on inventory in our local storage facilities, that would be what we would want to do differently. Um, but that's just a capital issue, you know? And we're all, if, if you guys are like me, when I started, I was working two jobs. Um, I, was, I was working nights as a waiter, I was trying to start a digital marketing agency during the day, you know, my, I've, I've, I've done that on this, I think, Serious Seller podcast, so you can find that somewhere. Um, but point is it's a capital issue, um, under capitalization. And so that's why you want things like, I don't know, sellers funding, you know, stuff like that. But I don't know that we could do anything differently other than maybe trying to take out some money last year and then, and try to order sooner rather than like assuming that our lead times are accurate. So maybe the one bit of advice would be if, um, your suppliers are quoting you a certain thing, triple that maybe quadruple it. because Yeah, I
0: expect the worst.
1: Expect it to be at least two to three times, if not four times longer than they say it's going to be because I would rather have a lot of inventory coming in early than be in a stockout situation because then you have a cascading effect of rank issues. You're going to have to go through and start driving more external traffic, make sure that you're getting more sales to, to boost that algorithm signal again because if you have a stockout issue, Amazon doesn't know. To Amazon's eyes, the algorithm, it could be that you've just discontinued that product. Correct. It could be any number of things. So it's not generally detrimental if you're out of stock for less than 30 days. Um, but in situations like this, it's, it's a pain in the ass.
0: So another really big problem you had was a poopy situation. <laughs> so you sell reusable swim diapers, right. right? So these aren't thrown away, but kids are pooping in them, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> talk to me about that. this one. This is the best story, by the way.
1: So this this dovetails into that brand registry issue because of anyway, <laughs> so this is the reason why we redesigned our packaging. So um, one of the reasons why we redesigned our packaging is last year in um, July, um, Amazon had uh, unintentionally shipped out used swim diapers.
0: So what was happening was a client was, a bu- or a customer was buying your products, they return it, the packaging looks unopened, and Amazon. Puts it back in regular inventory and ships it out.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like you know, we've had we have all the settings set to send it back to us, but we all know that that doesn't always happen, right? And here's the thing: it's just a simple mistake. There's a warehouse worker. Have you been? You know, if you go to an FC tour, it will blow your mind how much like how much inventory. So I'm not mad at the warehouse worker. It's whatever. It is what it is. The thing that annoys me is it was. I mean, I'm I'm annoyed at this customer. Because whoever this was, they shat. The child shat in the diaper.
0: <laughs> Which is supposed to happen. I mean, you, That's what they're designed to you do. design a product to be pooped in.
1: Bare minimum, wash it.
0: Yeah, and they didn't even wash it. I don't know. It was so brown. So they let this kid take a dump in the, diaper. in the
1: diaper. Send it back.
0: So they put it back in the packaging and repackaged it What's in a been- way that looked like it wasn't open. So this happened very not once,
1: it happened twice. And the reason I know it not happened- Not the same customer though. Not the same customer, because oh the gosh. first time it happened, we got an email from the customer and they were like, you know, mad, obviously. And I was like, oh my gosh, we are so sorry. Oh, this customer wasn't the one that- They left a review. That the, was it. That, that, the, the reason that why I know it left you a rolling brownout,
0: you know, pack, package. The
1: reason, the reason <laughs> why, yeah, the reason why I know it was twice because the other person left a review, as I would have too. So, this happened
0: twice. So, one of them emailed and said, Hey, I ordered one of your products on Amazon and,
1: and there's and skid marks
0: awesome. in it. <laughs> and <laughs> this, I want my money back. And it want my money back. And the other one just returned it and left a review that said, Hey, uh,
1: this is disgusting. Don't buy from this company, basically. Oh, no. Yep. And um, the funny thing is, I've been public about our brand, and Rochelle thinks that that's one of the reasons why we get black hat attacks. So, if you're listening to this and you're my competitor, just give me a call. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Don't take a big steamy one in one of Paul's
0: reusable diapers and it.
1: I love competition. Here's the competition makes everybody better, but being a black hat cheater does not make you better. It just makes you a loser. So that review probably got upvoted 80,
0: 80. 80 upvotes.
1: Uh, at least 80, 80, 85. And Rochelle thinks it's. So what that did is it moved the. To the top. It's the most helpful review.
0: Oh, uh, the most helpful review is that they sent me a hazmat
1: package. Right. And, and here's the thing, is that Amazon to the very, like it's a very good policy that they don't remove reviews because, come on. Yeah,
0: otherwise you'd pick and choose and I, you'd never get a fair review. Ever, situation.
1: ever. And so the thing is, is that because they don't remove reviews, they don't have any- Anyone that can make reviews. anyone Anyone that you can talk to, that even though, like they've said, yes, we acknowledge this is a f- fulfillment issue, they can't remove the reviews. So if you work at Amazon and you have the power to help me, please call me. <laughs>
0: because like, slide into Paul's DMs <laughs> cuz <like> he's a, <laughs> he's got a poopy situation he needs fixed. Don't slide, don't. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. All right. So <laughs> so that obviously affected your sales specifically. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because now the most helpful review is that we've got we've got poopy diapers being sent to us.
1: So that's so how we're how we're managing this issue. That's one of the reasons why we did the packaging, right? Because the packaging that we redesign is we haven't designed to be specifically under 0.7 inches on the highest. It's like 0.65 inches, right? It's exactly within specs with so a small it standard size. So maybe smaller to reduce
0: the shipping and fulfillment right. cost. About. Yeah,
1: because up until that point, it was in a poly bag with an insert, right?
0: Yeah, so it was pretty bulky and- It wasn't
1: that, it's not It's not bulky, but the way that they're-
0: The, the way that they do the Cubiscan. Yeah, scanning. their, their
1: Cubiscan system works like this. Is if, if they were scanning this, this would appear to be, what, an inch and a half high?
0: Yeah, where instead you could smash you it. You
1: could smash it down. Yeah. But the Cubiscan uses infrared, and so it picks up the highest thing. So if there's any air in a poly bag and it's like an inch high, then they're gonna put you
0: yeah, in a larger category. I mean, you have to
1: think automation, right? Like, or is a magnitude. You're not going to have every warehouse employee being like, oh, yeah, I can fit this.
0: So you change the packaging to make it smaller and less expensive to fulfill, to but less- also where nobody could reseal it and look. Exactly.
1: Okay. So you have to destroy the packaging. You have to open it up to get to the diaper. So that now people, like, it's very apparent that it has been opened.
0: So that that's a good lesson to learn, too, is... is one, make sure your settings are for Amazon to send you back any returned items, even if that this one did slip to the crack. And
1: under, Yeah, understand mistakes happen.
0: Yeah, but then also make sure that if your product is sensitive to being reused, right, that, uh, that it, it definitely has packaging that you cannot mistake for unopened if it's been opened. Now, all of these things have led to a significant decrease in sales this year.
1: Well, not significant, it's 12% lower, but that is, I mean, Based on our projections, our projections were that we would be about two and a half million well, this year. Two,
0: so twelve percent lower is way bigger than twelve percent lower because if you're that's building true. a company that's moving up and you're expecting a certain growth, I'm rate, trying to
1: stay positive. Not pimp. only
0: are you staying on a plateau, but you're, you're you're decreasing and losing that growth. Right now, everybody right now talks about selling your businesses, right? Everybody wants to exit, and everybody wants to exit on that right. period of time of the largest growth, right? you were thinking about exiting your business.
1: Yeah, we're, we, we still are. And the problem is now that we're looking at instead of next year, we're two to three years out now because we, we need to be able to show that we're having this upward trajectory. And, you know, it's just, that's the thing that like, yeah, I was like when we talked, I was like pissy pants, Paul, like that one week. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. man, you're, you're not doing too well, are you? <laughs> I was like, you just have to have a pissy pants moment every now and again, but you got to have good friends that be like, Okay, well, stop being a whiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but um. So it it, but it, not only did it affect really
0: the time span that you were projecting out until you could sell this business.
1: It's forcing pivots.
0: Yeah, but it also really hurt your asset value. Yeah. Right, because you can put a number. Hey, my business should be worth right. this amount right now, and now you're like, well, it's worth a third of that. Yeah. So even though your sales didn't decrease substantially, the value of your business substantially decreased, right? Now you work with your wife and this is your income, right? Like what you do in e-commerce is in your income and you guys are stuck together, working together, living together, raising kids together, changing diapers together, all this stuff. This has been a tough year. At what point do you decide, all right, we're gonna keep forcing through this and not completely pivot?
1: Well, here's the the thing is that you choose to be successful. That's it's a choice. You choose, you are going every day as an entrepreneur. You have to make a choice that you're going to be successful and when we started i you know i alluded to the fact i was working two jobs we started we put our inventory order on on a credit card in the course thank god for freedom ticket now you don't have to pay right so we put the course five grand plus our inventory on it on a credit card so my option was succeed that was the option there was no other option and that's still my option because the other option is we lose the house and that's not an option. I will not lose the house. So that's why that's why I was going to resorts in Miami selling. We have $400,000 of inventory sitting in a container on our property. We need to move that inventory. So here's the thing is that like it from the get-go my goal and our goal is we are building a brand. I wanted and I still want to build a billion dollar brand. No, that's really very aspirational <laughs> right That's That's pretty optimistic. <laughs> it but. is very optimistic. <laughs> but this is this may be silly and it's my mom. You know, shoot for the stars. You might, if you hit, you're gonna miss, land, you know, shoot for the whatever. Shoot for the moon. If you
0: shoot the for the stars and miss, you still land on the moon. Yeah, whatever. You Something know what like I mean? that, yeah.
1: It, my thing is that I would much rather have a high goal that is seems unattainable because it's going to make me work harder. And if I miss that goal and I'm still gonna be more successful than if I had a lower goal that I felt I was comfortable with doing. And, and as entrepreneurs, we have to make this choice to be successful. You have to make that choice that when you have the crap, when it hits, when the poop hits the fan. There's so many poop
0: analogies <laughs> in here. When know. the poo hits the fan.
1: When the poo hits the diaper, that hits the fan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, gotta, you gotta think, okay, what am I gonna do? Um, well, we're just gonna muscle through it. And we're gonna, so we're, we're working with, you know, getting our listing reinstated. Um, on Amazon, so that I didn't even say it, like the black hat issue. Um, we had somebody categorize this as an adult product. And that goes back to the trademark issue because Amazon is saying you're not brand registered. So we so can't, can't put you back, out, yeah. even though the fact that we've been in baby the entire time, is a brand registry issue. And so that's going back to like, well, if we would have done this right, you know, six years ago, this would be less of an issue now. But my point is that I've made mistakes. I'm learning from those mistakes. And if you fail to learn from mistakes as an entrepreneur, you will be out of business. You will go out of business. And there's, a, there's always those things that there will be the deciding points of whether you're going to quit or go on. And, and, and if so, um, you have to understand that, first of all, if you decide that you're going to quit, you need to look at sales. Okay, is that a good option? Is this an option? And for me, the option is, we're not going to quit because we have a goal in mind that we want to exit our brand. And if we do that now, we are significantly undervaluing our stuff. So all that to say that the the movements that we're making are we're getting into retail. We have um, distributors lined up for, um, you know, I told you the whole thing with Mexico. Like we've got this potential thing with a high-end retail in Mexico. We're working on that. We've got potential for Target and Target.com. We just got accepted into Walmart Fulfillment Services. We've you know, I've been doing sales calls, but really I'm just going to be, I'm going to just hire sales agents to go to these resorts because over this last year, you know, we've started getting into more resorts. So all that to say, um, we're not throwing in the towel, but we're doing what I have always wanted to do. And this is just forcing us to do it better, which is diversify, focus on other channels, focus on, you know, Walmart, focus on, you know, we're Um All these other channels, but that's my point is that um, I don't want I don't want to sit on a on a one legged stool. I don't want you know Amazon to come in whether it's a black hat thing, or some honest mistake, or whatever. Like I want my income to be from multiple streams, and you could do that with one business. Um, we have multiple businesses, but yeah, that's what we're doing in this one.
0: And I think that the reason I wanted Paul to to talk about this is just to show a few things. One is everybody struggles, right? Like even guys that are you know experts in the industry that are, you know, laughing and having a good time, seeing like the world is is awesome. You know they're they're having they're having poopy days too. They're having crappy times as well. This is we're like little twelve year olds with all the poop jokes in this episode. Um, and I'm sure once the camera turns off, they'll probably get
1: even worse. <laughs> even worse.
0: <laughs> um, but the point is, like, a lot of times we set ourselves up for failure because we look at what we think reality is like we perceive that, Oh, all these other people are so successful. These other people have it so easy. All these other people aren't going through the struggles that I am and having the challenges and being frustrated like I am And everybody does. Like if you ever meet someone that's like, Oh, this was easy, punch them in the face, call them a liar and quit listening to their crappy content because it's just not true. Right? Like we've sat around with some of the, the most, I don't know, recognized, I guess, experts in the industry that like, you know i've 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 had adult men in the space that a lot of you would know, like crying, telling me stories, you know of the stuff they've gone through, like legit. And it's um it's just a really good reminder that if you're struggling, if you're frustrated, if you're discouraged, like you're doing something right. yeah. and I, I've said the analogy before, like babies don't just decide to stand up and start running. They have to try and then fall and try and fall and try and fall and try and fall. And then they'll walk and then they'll fall and then they'll fall and and then they'll run. Right. You have to do that. But the other thing is um, every struggle, every hurdle, every potential barricade gives us an important lesson. Right. Paul will never make that mistake about trademarks again. It's never going to happen. Paul's never going to go back to not understanding how utilizing capital can help his business. Paul's never going to go back to a situation where he's not utilizing different traffic sources and different distribution channels. Right. So keep listening to content, keep listening to other people that have been through some of these struggles and, and listen, right? Like listen and pay attention because as we all continue to share our struggles and share our successes, even, like that's just value for you guys. So I commend we're about 30 minute mark, right? So if you're listening to this, I know you've at least listened to this episode for 30 minutes and I commend you for that. You have to keep doing that. You have to keep learning. Otherwise you're going to miss a great opportunity. So Paul, thank you for being on and thank you for sharing that. Absolutely, man. Um, if someone wanted to find out more information about you, they could go to
1: the chat agency,
0: the chat agency.com where he uh, is for hire. Not me. To do, My not team. him, his team. He has a company that's for hire to do external traffic and all sorts of uh, cool stuff for your e-com brand. So anything
1: else? No, that's it. I just okay. got to say that. No, keep at it. If you're failing, you're winning. You're it's Failure is essential to success. Like you have to fail and just keep at it. Hey, if you like this, I don't know, let's share your share your stories. Thank
0: you all for listening again. If you would, leave us a review on Spotify, podcast, whatever you're listening to. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe, and share this around. If you know anybody uh, that needs to hear this, if you're in a mastermind program, if you're in any sort of communities, please share this around with them. And we appreciate you all. We'll see you on the next episode.